good morning. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Uh, good morning to everyone online. We're so glad that you joined us this week. One more week of Lent. Anybody? Can I get a hallelujah? Desserts in one week. Twitter back for me in one week. And actually, I think I'm a better person without Twitter. Usually, but we're excited to get to celebrate this week together. So often at Renovation, we talk about how so much can change in a week. How you can come in one Sunday, and then you come back the next Sunday, and life has happened. Good things, hard things, life has happened in our lives, right? And this is that type of week as we study the scriptures. I actually had a week like this a couple of weeks ago where I showed up at Sunday single and the next Sunday I showed up engaged. And Ben and I got engaged a couple weeks ago. So up on that mountain in Montana, I know they announced last week, but in case you missed it, there are some weeks that just seem kind of crazy in light of the other weeks that seem kind of normal. This is not normal. And I don't even know what to do because I usually have singleness jokes. I make jokes about being single all the time and now I'm going to have to get new material and be respectful of someone else at the same time. It's just going to be just a journey to figure this one out. But luckily he knew what he was getting into when he signed up for this. We have families in here that had babies, found out babies, uh, that babies are on the way. Some of you might have been hit by that financial crisis that has been hitting the stock markets. I mean, anything that comes into our lives can be very significant for good or for bad, but there are certain weeks in our lives where we're like, that was a game changer. That was a moment where time stopped, life altered, never be the same again kind of moment. And we're entering into that this week, Passion Week. Life-altering, time stops, the world will never be the same again kind of moment. And we start with Passion Sunday. And I have this, I love the church calendar. I really love to read along throughout the week of Passion Week. And I get the honor of bringing a sermonette, supposedly. I was told that my sermonettes are 45 minutes. So, <laughs> well, see, they said if I slash it in half, they get to an hour. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best here. I wear a watch, but it, it's just for looks, okay? <laughs> but I'm excited to bring the word because this week is different. And my hope as we bring in the word, and it is a shorter message, hopefully. Okay, I'll go for it. Just kidding. <laughs> that when we approach the word today, really what all I want to do is offer up exactly the story and let the beauty and the intricacies and the prophecies and the symbolism, but mostly Jesus, just be so prevalent and so beautiful. That's the word I keep hearing. It's just the beauty of who Jesus is and the scripture that we get to hold in our hands and take a part of. So you guys want to go on that journey with me this morning? All right, let's turn to Mark 11. And as you're turning there or tapping there, either way, to give a little setup, we're entering into Passover festival in Jerusalem. And when this is happening, this is like the big festival. There's three pilgrimage festivals where they would go on foot and travel to Jerusalem. Most people that lived around there would go and travel to Jerusalem and celebrate. And this is where Jesus is entering in at the end of his ministry into Passion Week. And he's about to enter into the Passover celebrations in Jerusalem. And, and when we say that this is like a week that is different in Jerusalem, I'm thinking, I genuinely just thought of Super Bowl week around here. 
If you were in Phoenix the week of the Super Bowl, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, the big game, and waste management, that same week, so many people just descended on our city. I mean, how many people just stayed home for a week? The traffic was horrible. It was a disaster. People from everywhere were flying here, and we were trying to get out of town or partake in the festivities. Either way, but that's this vision where everybody pours into Jerusalem, around 200,000 visitors. When you think of Jerusalem, that's a lot of people in one small space. So most people had to stay in other towns surrounding Jerusalem, and that's where Jesus stayed in Bethany with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Any of those names ring a bell? There's a lot of sermons we can go on, but remember, I'm trying to do this quickly. And so he is entering in. He's on his way to Jerusalem as we pick up in our passage this morning. So we're going to go ahead and read Mark 11, 1 through 11 together. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. I don't know why I love that so much. It's like, promise, we'll bring it back. (laughs) They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus told them to and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut off in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. And I love verse 11 because it just shows that Jesus was definitely in his 30s. He's like, "Uh, this is late. Nobody's here. I'm going to go back home. (laughs) You're like, yeah, facts. Can I get a witness? I mean, 20s, you might think that. But 30s, it's like, it is late. I'm out. I'm going home. I'll see you tomorrow. I don't know, this, this is the day that we're celebrating today. If this is the first time you're even hearing this story or maybe you haven't read this story in a while, it's what we're celebrating as Palm Sunday. And we used to have depictions of this, like live action experiences in church where literally donkey, a donkey with a man that looks kind of like Jesus would be entering in on the donkey and everybody would get palm branches and start waving them and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And you're like, please don't let the donkey go rogue. Do you remember that? I, I remember as a kid, I'd be like, what? They're literally bringing a donkey into church to make a point. I looked for a donkey. I couldn't find a donkey. I also didn't give people enough heads up to try and be Jesus. Uh, and so, I mean, I could have asked Ben, but I give him a little more time for the beard. But I'm like, how do they try out for Jesus? Anyways, Okay. Focus, focus, focus. I have ADHD, so here we are. (laughs) Jesus entering in, the crowd shouting, but who are these people? And this is what I want to look into really quickly today is who is this crowd? Who Who are these people that are shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest? Because so often we actually correlate it with the same people who yell, crucify him, crucify him, just a few days later. But the 
as I studied and as I approached this, I started to realize that these are people that are journeying into Jerusalem. And most likely, even though there are probably overlaps of the same people, they're probably a little bit of a different crowd. So who are these people? Now, they're entering in right before um, we see Jesus in Mark 11. And in different passages, this is in the, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This story is in the Gospels. And they have different stories leading up to it. But they have Jesus healing blind men. They have Jesus casting out demons. You can read about Jesus meeting people at a well and restoring dignity. You can see Jesus preaching the word as the prophet. You can see Jesus doing all of these things. But one thing that happened right before Passover is he raised Lazarus from the dead. Right before this journey in. And it's already causing a stir with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's already causing a rumble. And they're like, we need to kill Jesus and we need to kill Lazarus. No proof of what's going on. That's the type of situation we're entering into in this crowd that's coming into Jerusalem with Jesus. Because he's not there just yet in this passage. This crowd are disciples that have been with him for the three years of his ministry. So these are people who have seen all of this. There are people who have, were at Beth, in Bethany and saw that Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days in a tomb. They were witnesses of this. There were people who saw the blind man healed and they're coming in and watching Jesus come in on a donkey and they're literally throwing their robes off into the street as a sign of royalty, as a sign of submission and humility to the one that's passing them by. And then they would grab the palm fronds, so we call it Palm Sunday for this reason, and they're, they're actually in a lot like a... It feels a lot like Arizona, actually, or at least in Phoenix, the same arid uh, climate. And they actually have all these palm fronds, mainly from Jericho, and it's a sign of royalty. It's a sign of goodwill. It's a sign of grandeur and of victory. So they're coming in, and then you also have these people who, and other gospels say, who is this person that everybody's yelling Hosanna to? And they say, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee. So you have healer, you have prophet, Messiah, Hosanna. You're having these people come in with all of these different experiences with Jesus and his perspective, but you also have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day in the crowd telling the disciples and telling Jesus to tell his disciples to stop crying out, to rebuke them for saying Hosanna, Hosanna. And you know what Jesus says? If I made them quiet, the rocks would cry out. The rocks. <laughs> Think about the earth crying out. If we're quiet, the earth will cry out for us. Anybody remember that song when they were younger? Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Okay. I used to think when it said my place, I actually thought it was a building, and now it makes a lot more sense. But anyways, <laughs> my place, literal. Just in case you missed it. <laughs> This crowd who is crying out is being told by the Pharisees to be quiet. So the Pharisees are listening. They're looking on and they're frustrated. But the crowds won't be quiet. They're praising Jesus as he's on his way in to Jerusalem yelling, Hosanna. Hosanna, as we say it over here, but Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna means save us. 
save us. They've seen what he can do and now they're watching him march into Jerusalem and all of these things are playing out in front of them. And like, is this the Messiah who's actually going to overthrow Rome and be our political leader and take over so that we are restored to our rightful place? Save us. In Psalm 11, or sorry, 118, 25 through 26, it says, and it's a reference to this. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Lord, save us. That's the meaning of Hosanna. Usually we we look at it as praise and adoration, which it is. But it's in a sense of we praise you, like save us. You are our savior. And they're crying out to the one who they believe will save them from their physical situation. And then there's Jesus. (laughs) There's Jesus on a donkey riding in. And, and we don't want to jump over the donkey piece. First of all, it's just really cool. I'm like, oh, a donkey. I think of Shrek every time. But when you think, this is how my mind works. I apologize. When you think of a donkey, and we don't want to jump over it because there's, what, I read, what we read together earlier is a, quite a bit of the passage that has to do with the donkey being tied up, a colt, the foal of a donkey being tied up, and Jesus already knowing that it's going to be there and tell people what shows us that Jesus knew it was time. What we saw before this so often is Jesus, when he did a healing miracle or when it was kind of a ruckus or an uproar, he would disappear from the crowds, or he would tell them to not tell anybody that they got healed. Could you imagine never walking in your life and then you get healed and then you're like, don't tell anybody? Like I got healed from, I didn't have my smell or taste for 10 months and in September of 2021, because I had um, COVID and I, I lost my smell and taste for 10 months, I was at a prayer service and I got healed in the prayer service. Like, I mean, right after, I was like, I didn't even know how to use my nose anymore, honestly. And I was at dinner, and I'm like, what is this? And I smelled the bonfire, and I'm like, I smell smoke, like fire. And everybody's scared because I'm yelling fire. And like, finally, I can smell. And you better believe I told everybody. I'm like, look what Jesus can do. Like, he genuinely can. Like, I know I preach it, and I know I believe it, but I've experienced it. And now I just like, Jesus really heals. He really does it. And if Jesus was like, don't tell anybody, I'd be like, yeah, right. Which is what most people in the Bible did. They told everybody anyway. So to see Jesus in this juxtaposition actually stepping into the crowd, actually stepping into the people praising him and walking in it instead of disappearing, it's because Jesus had a purpose in doing it. But when he did it, he entered in on a colt of a donkey. And it fulfills the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. A king <laughs> on a donkey. It doesn't actually make sense because kings would come in on horses victorious, riding into battle. A lot of our Bibles call this the triumphal entry, into battle. But we know what happens later in the week and it doesn't look so triumphant for a moment. But they don't know this is happening. They just see Jesus riding in and it's like Solomon who rode in on a donkey in the Old Testament. 
in 1 Kings. They see Jesus fulfilling some of these prophecies before their very eyes, but Jesus didn't ride in like, yes, it's my time. He still rode in as a servant, lowly on a donkey. That's a sign of humility in that age and of peace. And he's riding through the crowds and people are throwing their their clothes in front of him and yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they actually says that in John, it says that the disciples didn't even know until later that Jesus was fulfilling all of these things. Sometimes you can be in the middle of a game changer moment, a life altering time stops, never be the same again type of moment and not know it until you look back on it. And that's what we see here with his disciples and the people yelling out saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Yet Jesus was the only one in that moment. We know now, we have the gift of knowing now. He was the only one who knew what he was walking into. What he was riding into, or as like Josiah says, driving into Jerusalem. (laughs) He was the only one. So as they're saying, Hosanna, save us. Save us from this political um, environment that's happening in the division and the dissension. He's like, I am going to save you. But I'm going to save you in a way you have no idea even to ask me how to do that just yet. I'm about to save you from the very thing that's causing all these problems and get him an opportunity to have power over sin. But he had to walk it first so that we could have access to it. He humbled himself. It says in Philippians, we're studying Philippians with our Bible study right now, that he humbled himself in humility, became flesh, descended from heaven so that he could die in our place. A posture of humility on a cult as everyone's trying to praise him, praise him, this is our next political leader. He's like, I have so much more for you. And he's riding in on this donkey and it says in the other um, gospels that Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem and wept for what was to come, knowing that they wouldn't accept the peace that he had to bring. And so if we picture ourselves in this story, so often we're, we're challenged to picture ourselves in the crucify him, crucify him. And I want to say when Friday comes, put yourself in that position. Because whether you're in the Hosanna, Hosanna, or crucify, crucify, it is all of our sins that nailed him there. He did it for every single one of us, and that's the good news. And that's the hope that we have. But place yourself and stay in the story of this week. Because sometimes we're crying out, Jesus, save us, save us. But he's giving us access to the eternal salvation that we have through him. And I know that there are things of this world that we need to offer up and ask for, but Jesus is hearing them, save us, save us. And that was a good thing. I want to tell you, we offer up our request to him. We ask him to come through for us. We lift up our financial distress and our family issues and our relational problems and the division and distress in our country and in our own lives and even within our own selves. We ask him for that. But he's like, I am about to go have victory over death, sin, 
and the grave. And not only am I treating the fact that you can be forgiven from your sin, but I'm giving you hope that you can have power over sin in your life. He doesn't just treat symptoms. He's like, I'm going to get at the cause, the root cause of why all of this is happening. And he comes out victorious. It's beautiful. It's sacrifice, it's humility, and this is the Jesus we know. This is the Jesus you can know. The Jesus that was willing to take on the sins and hear the hosannas and then his heart break for the people. We should be people like that too. Our heart's breaking for people because there's so much more. And so as the band comes up and we're gonna enter into a time, and this is our worship Sunday. And so we're going to continue with worship, but we also partake in communion the first Sunday of the month. And I love getting to be a part of um, facilitating communion. But what I want to offer to you is this. As we enter into this week, out of hope of knowing that we can ask Jesus for these things, but he knows exactly what we need. That Jesus not only hears what you are asking, but he knows what you are needing. He hears what you're asking. And there's not a guarantee that all of that's gonna be fixed in this life. But maybe it's reconciliation that you need or a softened heart that you need or trust in him that you need that he'll come through or that he's provider. Those are things that we need to know and are bedrock to stand on. And we can ask and he can give us so much more as it says in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able <laughs> to do immeasurably more then all we could ask or imagine according to the work that is within us, the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Immeasurably more. So let's go ahead and stand as we enter a time of communion and of worship. It's the God that we serve. Jesus, immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Hosanna, save us. I have immeasurably more for you. Beyond what you could think, ask, or imagine. What I'm doing for you is beyond what you can think, ask, and imagine. And sometimes we won't even understand what he was doing in this life. But to have the trust and the faith that he is who he says he is. That he laid his life down for us. And that we get to be a part of the crowd yelling, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all glory and power and honor be to you, Hosanna. Save us. It's a beautiful posture to take this week as we enter in and to worship. And so as we pray, whew, Jesus. I want just to take a moment as the music's playing, just to think of something that you 
need to ask Jesus for, you've been asking Jesus for and posturing your palms open if you're comfortable and saying, God, I give this to you. I ask you for these things, but I know that you you know everything that I need. Just think of one situation in your life right now, your life or someone else's life, but I think we all can think of one thing that we can offer over to Jesus, knowing that we can ask him and believing that he will give us immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. Jesus, I lift these prayer requests up to you and you know the flow of all of this, so I, re- I just give it to you right now. God, there's so many things in our hearts and on our minds this week. And I just pray that the idea and the hope of the fact that you are our savior in the eternal, that we have heaven before us because of you and we have authority and power on earth now because of you, Lord God. So we just lift up these things and we know that we can ask you anything and you know exactly what we need. So God, I pray that this thing that popped up in all of our minds right now, The one thing is something we keep putting in front of you this week and that you just show up in ways we can't think, ask, or imagine just yet, but that we see you come through and we know your character in a deeper way this week and we know your goodness in a deeper way this week and the beauty of the scriptures and the prophecies and who you are and your humility and kindness. We offer it up to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And as we enter into communion, just logistically, we always um, enter out, go out the side aisles and you come up and you can grab um, your communion gluten-free in the back. And you can go back to your seat this way through the middle. And um, I'm gonna come back up in just a minute and lead us in communion, if that's fine. Uh, in the middle of it, probably. <laughs> I'm making things up now. But I think that we should take this together as we enter into this week together. And so I just wanna create this space when you're ready and you're ready to come get your communion. Um, We're gonna start singing and then we're gonna come back when everybody's back at their seats and we're gonna partake together and then enter into worship.